10 to 9, which is five minutes later than a quarter to nine we were supposed to start. So we're trying to move it back. We've had six months of uh, Zoom and other setup issues, but we're getting back to normal, Baruch Hashem. So, look back for one moment in Perikdalad, Pasuk Vav, or further than that, but I just want to point out something we're going to need information-wise for the battle and for Shiva's Devera. Shiva's Devera will give us well, the insight to what is going on in terms of the Schusim, who's coming to the battle, who's not, and the two Shvatim that I mentioned first, V'tishla V'tikra L'barak B'nevinoi M'kedesh Naftali V'taymer E'lov Halatziva Hashem L'kei Yisrael Le'echa M'shachta B'har Tavar V'lakachta Imcha Aseres Alafam Ishmi B'nei Naftali U'b'nei Zvulun Now, we discussed last week how he has the right to say, I'm not going if you're not coming. When the Navi tells you to do something, the various Tarutzim we had, that he was just interpreting what the Nevuah meant, or he was doing it because he felt that they wouldn't listen to him, so he agreed with the Nevuah, but he was asking for help. Or it wasn't a new Nevuah, it was a Nevuah reflecting the Tzivoy Daraisa, which Rashi says, And the focus of the Medrash, by Midbar Rabbah, is the fact that the two Shvatim were chosen because of their particular schusim. Pashapshad is the backdrop is that their chilek was under siege more than any other partner. It's Yisrael. Yavin Melchanan was causing a lot of trouble, but the immediate stranglehold was in his area, obviously. And that was Naftali, Kedush Naftali, and Zvulun. Sach is close by, and they will join in some number, but they're the shevet that is learning, and Zvolin is supporting them. So they're not going to be as highlighted in terms of the actual war effort as opposed to learning for the schusim. Naftali's pointed out by Midbar Rabbah that they were always excelling, and they had excelled in Kibbutav. Turns to Naftali for his father. He's very, very swift, and he used to run all over the place with great Jesus uh, for Yaakov Vino. And uh, that is a tremendous course in general. And here for the uh, nucleus of the army to get rid of Canaan and to save Klaizel from Sisera. And the other thing they mentioned, of course, is the Yisachah-Zvulun relationship. And Zvulun had the schus of the Yisachah's terrorists. So Medjish points out that's why these Tushvatim were chosen. Uh, the question when we get the Shir's Devara one by one, where was everybody else? And the Shevid you expect to be front line material in terms of going to battle whenever we go to battle is it with Shevid? What would come to mind? You're all should be no Gabadabra. Well okay, maybe you're a descendant. Uh, God's God is a what? Yehuda. God is mentioned in the positive. The Maisi Yehuda plays the prominent role in anything that goes on in uh, Shevtim. And Yehuda is not in the area. They're much further south. And they also had the task of guarding the border against the Plishtim. Remember, the Plishtim had already started up, and they're not going away anytime soon till the end of Shevtim for Shimshon, who's the last Shevet, well into David Amalek's reign. So, Shaul and David. So, they're a problem already. 
and Yehuda has to be on guard. So it's not going to be a taina on them that they're not showing up in great numbers. Doesn't mean nobody showed up. They're not showing up because uh, they had their work cut out for them, and this battle is going to be B'derech Neis anyway. And Baruch knows that. Devera had told him why you need 10,000 people. Some Farshim point out that had they been more they would have had 500 people. It would have been even a bigger nace. So, depending where the Madrig is and what they're zeichet to, but 10,000 men, as we mentioned, against the millions coming, is still going to be a nace nigla, and therefore you don't need everyone coming. The taina on those that are not coming is going to be more of why weren't you showing support and moral support and achtus and the like, rather than do we actually need the numbers over here. So Yisachar, that's not going to be a taina because they're learning. Yudah's not a taina because they're guarding the southern flank, uh, the uh, southern western flank. I see you already kept your map, which is good. Uh, I might need that back to give out copies. <laughs> So we have it. We have it scanned in somewhere, and um, so we, we already are dealing with a few of the shvatim. We'll get to the other ones later as the Vera gets to them. Let's go back to the pasuk we left off, which is pasuk yud, parig dalad pasuk yud. Vayazeg barak esvulamis avtali kadesha vayal beraglov aseres alfeish beraglov. They had no chariots. No tanks, no armored vehicles. Sounds like no animals to ride on. They walked up the mountain. Lest you think that that was just uh, for the uh, morning exercise, all the Mephoshim point out, if you're taking 10,000 people to battle, you want to bring whatever you have. They had nothing. And they're walking up, which is already exhausting. True to her word, of course, agreed to come. So she comes. She's not going to charge down the mountain, but she's quite visible for the support which Barak had asked for, as well as to be there on the spot in case they feel they need the Dvar Hashem, like something's going wrong, what do we do now? Nothing will go wrong, and they're not really going to do much because Hashem's going to, the Yad Hashem's going to be clearly visible very, very soon. Yes? They didn't have. The, 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 the weapon of note would be the tank, which is the chariots. They had none. 900 to zero. Spears, no, that they had. But they walked up. If you ever had the, Baruch Hashem, you probably never had the experience. If you ever had the pleasure of walking with spears and then they needed a spade to be able to, per the Pesach, you are going to war, you got to keep the halachic... Uh, inyanim uh, of uh, digging and they had a canteen they had, that's a lot of weight the average soldier then walked around with a lot of hardware, they're walking around now with a lot of hardware and it's also heavy but then, you know, swords are big, so walking up a mountain um, you don't need a picture but I have um, speaking of maps, I really should uh, scan this in, we're going to discuss soon where Nachal Kishan is, but this is going to be a map of Nachal Kishan, it's they're somewhere up north. This is recognizable to everybody. This is Haifa. And Nachal Kishan is somewhere in the middle. So they're up north in the middle of the country. Nachal Kishan runs to the ocean. You'll see soon why I'm pointing that out. And we know where it is. Nachal Kishan is a well-known body of water in Yisrael. And Mahar Tavar over here is a well-known mountain. So um, it's uh, the mountain in the background over there. So... Um, 
if you're looking online over here. So um, they're walking up a mountain with uh, whatever weapons they had. It doesn't seem to be, I'll say Ferris, doesn't seem to be as bad as when Shaul goes to fight where they didn't even have any swords. And they had two, one for him and one for Yenison. So they're going to need an even bigger nace there. Yes? No, they had it. Here they had it. What happened later is that uh, swords and spears, after a while, get old like everything else. Nothing lasts forever. Not like today where they make them to last like a week. But nothing lasts forever. And that's fast-forwarding a long time where the Plishtim already had such a hold on Klai Yisrael that uh, they didn't allow. You weren't allowed for farming implements. You weren't allowed to have a blacksmith who formed them, who sharpened them. You had to go to the Plishtim. They had such a tremendous, tremendous hold on the economy. You couldn't open up such a shop. So they did that because they wanted to make sure, first they wanted the business, but they also wanted to make sure that they weren't making any swords and weapons. So that's why they had no swords. So here, I don't have an indication they didn't, but they certainly didn't have any chariots, and the enemy had 900. The number 900 is going to be significant, 900 in higher mathematics, is one and a half times the amount of 600. You might wonder why I point that out, but we will uh, just keep that number in mind. 600 chariots should sound familiar from somewhere. Anybody? What? Give a lot of demienes to uh, Paro and his army, and what happened to him afterwards, as we'll see very soon. Pasuk Yeralef, V'chever HaKeni. As I mentioned to you in this particular paragraph, we don't normally even mention the Nyane Kabbalah, because we have un, a lot to do with the Pshat and the Rishayim and the Mafarshim and then the Sugyas. But once in a while, it keeps coming up uh, in this particular Sugya, so we're going to mention it. Not that it doesn't appear in the other Sugyas, but over here, the Mafarshim bring it up a lot. Is there are a lot of different, uh, for lack of a better word, different players that are highly unusual. And that's why the dashing more with the Gogulim and the Eclipus and the Nitzetzis, because you have Devera, it's a very unusual role for a Tzadekis. Then you have Yal, and then you have a very mysterious person, Chever Hakeni. We don't know exactly who he was, we don't hear much about him. And Yal, there's still a Machlekes Rishainim, whether she was even Jewish. We're going to go with the Mahalach that she was very Jewish, very from one of the said Kanius the Dar and one of the uh, leaders. She was considered almost a shofetis herself. So we're going to go with that Mahala because most Meshavoshim hold that's the Pshat and it's certainly as difficult as things are to explain over here. It's certainly a bit easier to explain just in terms of the Mahalach. We have to pick one Mahalach. I'll mention where it's a possibility otherwise. Uh, on the Tzad where Chazal Darshan that she actually felt she had to be mezana. Mezana is not a nice word on her side. She was a cool shame shemaim. She got full schar, and she's mevarech like uh, the most. But if she wasn't Jewish, we'd have an easier time of it. So, the Gemara doesn't seem to indicate that because the Gemara seems to indicate it's an avera l'shma. We're going to get back to this later on at length, and as avera l'shma has to be an avera, so then she has to be Jewish. She must have a Mitzvah's person? Mm, yeah, Sheva Mitzvah's, one of the Sheva Mitzvah's is Arias, and there's still an Issa to be Mazana. 
yeah, that's true, but it doesn't sound like that. Because the, all the Achorian, that's what I'm saying, I'm picking one Mahalach, not, not going to mention the other possibility, but they're, they're going to discuss the issue of Echba Baal, Echba Baal, and did Asa or not, because in the Shira, she gets tremendous amount of Shvach, because she did get rid of Sisera, who's the main Russia, the main villain over here, and it doesn't talk in the Shira of Beferish about whether she was then Asa to her husband, they have Diyukim that she wasn't, and why should that be? So if she's not Jewish, then okay, there's no din, then we understand it. If she is, then that gets involved in a very uh, famous Marik, which we'll touch upon. But Lamaisa, what we're explaining now is the reason we're getting into so much history of the tzaddikim, tzaddikim, the rishayim, what comes out of them is because this is particularly complex in terms of the basic storyline, so to speak, is that everything here is so unusual. So this, the Pasuk is beferish. Let's read the Pasuk first. So, is Yisroin, and that's Pamidjan, and what does that have to do with Kayan? So the Kliyaka already brings down that uh, the original damage of the Zuma of the Nochash, Shabal Chava, and was Matel Zuma, which has been with us historically for a long, long time, besides the short uh, duration of Kabbalah Sater of Nasa and Ishma, well, Pasaka Zuma, but then after Chet Egel it came back. So the Zuma primarily went to Kayin and not to Hevel, which is part of the reason why Hevel comes across as a Hedlikat Sadik and Kain is the one with, on his madrega, uh, these are people who, who knew Akash Baruch Hu almost directly, but uh, Kain was the one with more issues, as we'd, uh, we would say. And uh, the tikkun of Kain over the generations, he brings down that Yisra himself was a Gilgal of Kain, Moshe Rabbeinu is well known as a Gilgal of Hevel, and that's why he married Sipera. They were fighting originally over the sister, Sipera. Over here in this story, we already said Tzipera was in line with the Gugulim for Devera because she's the one who came late and missed the uh, Shira Sayam. So there are a lot of, once you start seeing the uh, Gugulim background, a lot of things start tying in, not that we're going to even partially understand it. And when we get to the uh, Klippas, we're going to understand even less. And I, we never talk about this in the Shira, because otherwise we uh, would never get uh, finished. But over here, just the uh, sheer... Uh, Gvura and almost audacity that, uh, in a positive way, that Yol Eishos Chevra Keni, we're barely recovering from trying to understand how Devera is Shofetes and how she was able to overcome all the issues and still uh, succeed. The issues meaning the inborn positive issues of Kolkvus Basmar Panima and L'Chatchila of not learning Torah and teaching Torah and all the issues we started discussing. Yol, who's going to take on the mightiest Gibor. And not only in his particular day and age, but Lederus. Sisra is not well known, but when you finish with the Madrashim over here, he's not Stam, a general of Yavin Melakanan. He's a Russia of tremendous proportions and a Gibra of tremendous proportions. The Medjish describes how when he used to go swimming, like his, his snack before lunch was like a thousand fish, and uh, he was, okay, but he was um, tremendous in terms of his Gavura and the scariest person you ever want to meet. And the fact that anyone could take him on, let alone a uh, Tzadekes who's uh, 
practicing Kalkulus Bas Malapanima. She's in the oil, and that's highlighted. And the fact that she can take him on and take a risk like that and try to kill him and hope he doesn't wake up, the fact that anybody approaching him would melt even contemplating such an idea is extremely unusual, to say the least. And what she accomplished with this Gevura, the Sfarim talk about when she took that, uh, we'll call it, uh, what, uh, the tent uh, spike, the, uh, the peg. She took that and she's standing with a hammer and all he's got to do is open his eyes. And the pusher shot in the pusik we're going to see, this is all coming in the next couple of weeks, is that he was such a geeber, after it went through his head, he got up seven times. It's hard to, well, once would be a lot. Like he's still struggling to like clobber her and get up and she's standing there. Like she realizes all this is uh, more than a distinct possibility. He gets up, before you get to the drush of Chazal, what the getting up seven times means with the, uh, with this list issue, but Pashat the Pasuk is he got up after his head was like nailed to the ground basically and he sort of got that out and got up and he's still like almost walking around stumbling and that's how much strength he had and that's what I'm talking about when she put it through his head she that act of Ruh, that act of Messiris Nefesh knocked whatever klipa there was to redeem out of his out of his head, the head of this tremendous uh, Russia of the generation. And this the Gemara says already, but when the Gemara says something, it doesn't tell you all the Kabbalah of the background. It alludes to it. But Mnebanov Shel Sisra, Lim and the Rishayim say that's Rabbi Kiva. And now this is a coincidence. Rabbi Kiva representing the entire Messiah of Teresh So is that a schus for Sisra? Well, most Mepharshim don't look to be Malamed and he's on him, but you see from here that within the biggest wishes could still be, or often is, some element of Gedusha. That doesn't mean, therefore, we forgive them for their wishes or uh, give them a pass on it. It just means, and she doesn't even have to necessarily know that, and if she did, that wouldn't necessarily sway her decision. Oh, let's get a klipa out of this rishos to redeem some kedusha. She's doing what she's doing because she needs to do it for the sake of Klai Yisrael. And that mesiris nefesh is the, what's important to at least uh, touch in Inyani Kabbalah is that we don't have to understand or know. We know that whenever you do a mitzvah, you're doing the Ratzon Hashem. And people don't know what kavanah should I have. Have kavanah you're doing l'shem Hashem, l'shem mitzvah, not l'shem kavod. The more l'shma you do, the better it is. And while you're doing that, there are five billion other things that you're affecting. In the lamis el and we know that it's part and parcel with every mitzvah that we have, and rachmalat salan le'aleinu every avera affects, and the nefesh hachayim. And uh, the Litzvah Shikabbalah is all the same thing. It's all the same Kabbalah, and he talks about every word we say, every machshava we have makes a tremendous roshim in the Bria, Bein Latayv, Bein Lamutav. And that's why it's important to remember that these things exist. But just that act of Gavura, what she's doing, they say, that knock, that clop, already took out that clip and Rabbi Kiva of all the Tanaim is the one who's responsible for that uh, Messiah. And uh, the setup over here of the Pusik when it mentions uh, Nifred Mikayan, Nifred Mikayan, the same form, when they talk about the Sig, it talks about peeling back and taking out from Kayan this uh, Zuma and this, these Klippas and redeeming them, so to speak. And this role that 
Hevra Kaney, we really don't know much about, but we know he's from the general family, and more importantly, his Eishas Chayil Yol is going to accomplish a lot of this for Derry Deris, and it's only going to come out many, many Deris later. So the fact that it's Yisra and Meshra Benu, who's the Makabala Teira, and Rabbi Kivu, who's responsible for Teresh Peh, all that is going to fit in. So that's for the uh, deep background. Let's go back to the Pasuk. Where was he different from? What's the Pashup shot? So we know already from Asniel ben Kanaz, and he became Rosh Hashiva in Arad, in the south. The main group, the main body of Talmidim that joined him was in this tremendous mysterious nefesh. We're talking about total lack of Gashmi. So it was literally in the desert, Badafka, and there was nothing there. And to move from Yerichoi, originally where they were settled, which was a beautiful city and a lot of delicious fruit, and to go to the Midbar, where there was nothing, took a lot of mysterious nefesh. And they became the Gedele Adar for many Deiris in learning, and Dayanam and Sahedrin because of this move. So you would think it's a criticism. I don't see any Mepharshim who point that out, and I'll explain why. Lachar should be a criticism. He separated of all the descendants of Yisro that went and followed us near Ben Kanaas in the south to the Midbar. He did not go. Nifred mi kayim He separated and he pitched his tent or tents. Apparently, he was wealthy and influential. We'll see why he did this. And he had a whole operation and he pitched the Dafka up north near where the action is going to be now, where Yavin Melech is going to set up his multi-city operation to cause trouble for Klai's Kedesh. And the Pasik is going to go on to say they actually had an alliance, a peace treaty with Yavin Melech Why did he do all this? So the answer is, he, the Farshim learned, he was a big tzaddik, and it was forward thinking. He realized that uh, Yavin Melech is still around, not the original one, but a descendant, and they're regrouping and they're getting stronger, and he's going to pretend like he's friendly so he could stay around, because when there's a battle, not even if, when there's a battle, if he's around and he can help the Yidin, again, quite the Malach, that he's a Yid himself, he's going to help, but they didn't look at it. That's strange that he made an alliance because he separated and they figured, okay, so you're not so friendly with the other Jews, we'll make an alliance with you, you're here, you're a nice guy. And he's going to be, he doesn't know exactly where it's going to come into play, but he's going to hope to be around when it's needed. And it's going to be needed in this peric because when Sisera runs, he's going to run here, can't run that far and he needs a safe haven and he thinks that Hevra Akeni is a safe haven because he has an alliance and he's the general. He knows who the allies are and who the allies aren't. Well, at least he thinks he knows. And he's going to stop in here. So all this was set up beforehand, very forward thinking in terms of intelligence. And he wanted to be in the right place at the right time. That is the push-up shot here. Yes? Yes, yes. So they bring that up. If you make a peace treaty, so your wife is bound by the peace treaty also? They ask the Shaila, and believe it or not, some of Farshim say no. The husband makes peace treaty, he can do whatever he wants as long as he doesn't interfere with my cooking, I won't interfere with his peace treaty. Is that true? It's kind of hard to understand, huh? Husband makes a peace treaty? Yeah, but Yaakov is asking good. The Maisa Abramavino made one with the police team, and uh, we. Um, having a whole issue through Shaftim and Shaul and David, and they're still trying to get the people, the descendants out of Yushalayim to take over Yushalayim. So you say, well, they broke that peace treaty 15 times. The police said, well, of course they did. 
question is, do we say treaty Shabbatla Miksasa Batla Kula? which would make sense. If they're violating their part, why can't we violate ours? And some of Farshim say, really, we weren't held accountable, but it didn't look good, so they wanted to do it the right way and wait till they died out. That's the most plausible shot. Why should we keep the treaty? They keep violating it. And um, that's going on in the Middle East, unfortunately. And the second thing is that if the enemy is not playing fair at all and they have no right to be doing what they're doing in the first place, and you start making a treaty to be able to convince him that you're on his side, that's what a spy is. And I don't know where the liberals are holding over here, but I think it's still accepted. Maybe not. Maybe they changed this also. It's still accepted if you're fighting a war, you have a spy. We understand why the spy was pretending to be one of (laughs) us and... He blended into the cabinet or into the CIA or into uh, the uh, FBI, wherever he's supposed to be, and he's pretending to be somebody he's not. Isn't that what a spy is? So you say, that's different than a treaty. I don't know. The world looks at it different. When they catch a spy, they execute him. I think you mentioned that. So even though you're not supposed to do that to a prisoner of war, you're supposed to take a POW and trade them afterwards. But spies, you understand, not very nice. We understand everybody does it, but you're in big trouble. Why is it when it comes to a treaty, we don't understand that? I'm not sure what the political chilek is. What what is the chilek in the... uh, So maybe the liberals are going to start saying, no, you can't have spies either. They already started saying we should dismantle the uh, CIA because it's not fair. They're doing things without telling the public. Isn't that what spy agency does? They do things without telling the public? I'm not saying they do everything right. But it might be a little hard to dismantle that when the Russians and the Chinese are not dismantling theirs. So then we're going to be at a severe disadvantage. Putin doesn't have any power. He wouldn't like poison anybody if anybody gets his way, would he? I mean, it wouldn't. Uh, that's not. That's you call that power? I'm nispel that you can have such power that every single Starbucks has a guy behind the counter <laughs> ready to poison customers who come in. That, that's pretty scary. I, I'm not accusing anybody. I'm not, they, I don't want to get uh, political over here, but that's pretty. That, that's pretty powerful. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I, so I'm not accusing, I'm not taking sides, but it's just a theory. I, I'm sure they will or have already hotly denied such a, such a chroma allegation. But uh, Lamaisa, it's a way of life. So if in America we stop doing it because it's not nice, that's going to be um, really, we're already at somewhat of a disadvantage. So what's this in a treaty and a spy? I'm just throwing it out. Anybody have any ideas? I don't know. Treaties don't say, they just say you have to keep the treaty even though we didn't want to make the treaty in the first place. I don't know. I, I can't think of one treaty that was made you know, when the, the Nazis in Marshall turned on Russia after they made their treaty. Was anybody surprised? The Russians were. That's the Kiddush is why, but the surprise is why were the Russians surprised? I'm, I'm not exactly, Mamas turned on them and they invaded, they were shocked. Until World War II, it all, it all changed in World War II? I don't know. Did you ever have a Trojan horse? <laughs> that, was, that was a treaty of sorts. No, they're actually giving a gift, sort of, with gifts like that. <laughs> you don't need enemies. But I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not suggesting we make treaties, and we, we really were most inefficient. Davin Amel didn't take over Yushalayim. It can't get everything else because it would look in the UN and he didn't want to be condemned again. So sometimes he tried to look like he's doing the right thing, even though. 
Is that out Kiddush Hashem? It's not yeah. Kiddush. Some it's, say... It's doing the right thing. Like, not if they violated. Everyone knows that they... Everyone knows in their heart of hearts, all of the nations know that Israel is the most humane fighter. Yeah, good, but they... Everyone knows that. They know they're doing the right thing. So then why bother? Why bother making it look good? The answer is the Hamanam don't know. The editors, the papers know. They just write terrible things anyway. But Here, but there's my... Like, yeah, we try our best. You got to do a little, but you can't do yourself in doing that. That's the delicate balance in gullus, which is not a perfect science. Yeah, that's, it's a gullus thing. Uh, oh, it's a gullus thing. Yeah, well, the is why David and Malach had to do it. Some of the say it's not true. Just because they violate it doesn't mean it's, it's over. That's a chiddish to me. I think it works in both directions. <laughs> if you don't keep your treaty time and time again, it wasn't like a mistake. The police accidentally attacked us once and shaved them. It's going to come back like every other parrot. So. Yes, yes, it's a, it's a machalikas over there also. Some say the Shalosh is not Nagaya, and the whole thing's not Nagaya because they violated their Shavu of treating us too harshly, and therefore we can't stay in Gullis. That's debatable, even if you hold that Shavu uh, Shabbatul Mitzvah Shabbatul Kulam. Shailiz are those three intertwined. Yeah, I'm talking about the same treaty where the treaty is we're not going to attack you, you're not going to attack us, and the police didn't keep attacking, so why should we be bound by that? But the Mepharshim would say that we're still bound. And others say, no, they did it in Mitam, so Kiddush Hashem. So here's one little uh, thing that I thought uh, when the Rebbe was talking before about the unconventional uh, uh, nature of what y'all did. You see that thread all the way through Shimshim, right? That it had the unconventional work. Shimshim was very unconventional, but in a very different way. He was trying, he was talking undercover, he was a spy. He was trying to make it look like he was a renegade. And that he would start picking bizarre fights, so they would think he's just stama mishugana, and they wouldn't want to start up with Jews, even though he doesn't look very Jewish. He's, tr- he's marrying somebody from them. That's a whole different type. And he had that from the nevuah. He's supposed to be like a snake. Shaila's where that go wrong? In three years, remind me. We'll get there, and we'll. This, but the Shaila is, yeah, no. But but he walked in. She's waiting by the door. She figured maybe he'll run by. He ran by. She waves him in. And don't worry, your highness, or whatever she called him, your highness might be Merba Malchus and Yavin Melchatso. But he was probably really running the show. That's what it sounds like from this parrot. Yavin stayed home. And she waved him in. And says, oh, come in, everything's safe here. It's a picture of the treaty, you know, with the seal on it. He said, remember this, and uh, come in, and uh, we're going to be fine over here. And he was a little hesitant, because like the Mepharshim, that she was Jewish and high-profile, like a Shofetes, and they're Mepharshim like that. And uh, he sort of knows, he has all the intelligence, knows she's like the very from type, and, and the intelligence he got, she's Mafresh Chala every week, and saying to him all day, and seeing people and giving aces of it, so she, uh, like, uh, like Devera. So he looks at her and says, yeah, you sure? I'm giving you this background because in a few psukim, she's going to have to say it twice because with all the treaties, he's a little afraid to come in, and rightfully so. She convinces him, pardon me, says, no, no, everything's safe, we're on your side, don't worry about a thing, and we're going to make sure nobody knows you're here, and he comes in. So, as Yaakov's asking, all of the has this, is a, there was a treaty. So, I don't understand it. Some of Farshim say that she's not bound by her husband's treaty. I don't understand where that's coming from. <laughs> the wife, you say, a child's not bound. You have sometimes situations where you have a father and a son, and they're holding a very different places politically. That shouldn't necessarily be the case, because we don't have politics as a separate sugya. There's hopefully uh, a das terror and what 
you should be doing and uh, figure it out. But okay, let's say it's a difference of opinion what it is. They have a difference of opinion. Fine. Difference of opinion, a machlek is what to hold. A husband and a wife can also vote different things. I'm not saying not. They could. Uh, somebody asked me a very interesting kibbutz of Aim Shaila just yesterday. Not the first time I heard this. And I don't want to take sides over here. Nobody should accuse me in the shear of being a conservative or a liberal. Um, if, uh, but, uh, and this is not about personalities of uh, whatever. There's a lot to say on this. We saved that for Shabbos. But this is not about embracing a personality of a person who uh, is not doing the right thing in a private life. We don't. Uh, like or dislike per se any personality and uh, he could be a mushkos, he could be this, he could be working on his this. It's not about that. It's about uh, who's carrying what lines and where you're supposed to be. So it's less yichanim if you embrace an akum even if he has Jewish descendants uh, for the person that he is. The question is by divine happenstance, that's not a stira, happenstance doesn't mean coincidence over here as Hashem dressed it up like happenstance, but Lamaisa, there are certain groups of people that stand for certain things and you can't escape that. You can't say, well, we're not buying into that. Well, maybe you are if you are claiming to hold it. That's, that's the inherent problem over here. So, he came to me with the following Shiloh. He said every time his, he has family members that are not from, including uh, parents. I've heard this many times. And it's so toxic out there. And he said... Uh, Every time we talk, this comes up, and there's this whole machlekes and screaming and yelling. And this time, she told me, uh, if you dare vote a certain direction, I'm not going to talk to you, and I'm going to get very aggravated. This is a real serious kibbutzim, Shaila. So I'm not getting to kibbutzim if they're not yet from. Is there kibbutzim? Let's assume, uh, let's assume there is, and you certainly don't want to aggravate them. But on the other hand, you've got to do the right thing. So you can't think, what do I do? Do I just do what I'm supposed to do and not say anything or make a small little lie for Dake Shalom, which would be a heter if you have to do what you have to do? So it's a very good shayla. The answer is very clear. You live in New York State, is what I told him. Unfortunately, in this state, it doesn't make a difference. It would be nice to have the numbers to show support for certain ideologies, but it doesn't make a difference. You don't start up with your mother and cause yourself aggravation, her aggravation, and bitl terror because you keep on talking about it. So just say you're not... The, the request is don't vote for him. You're not voting for him. I said, if you lived in Cleveland, if you were at Telzer, that would be a different story. But this is not where you pick your battles. That's what I told him. And he said, okay, it's going to be hard. We shave Altasa. I said, you don't need this headache. But that's how toxic it is. They're so... How can you... I, you point out they're standing for every Teva Shabbat. Is that okay? But um, they don't necessarily understand. And this is not about the person. It's not about uh, giving a vote of confidence to a person. He's not better than him. We're not judging where people's rukhnis are holding and we can hold everybody as done. That's not really relevant to the conversation. Uh, so that's... It's having an effect on real... Uh, Real Shailas in terms of Ben Elmer and you have to remember the Ben Elmer at the end of the day, if it doesn't make a difference, and uh, it's not going to cancel anything, you don't waste time arguing about it, and you don't uh, aggravate your parents. Yeah? Right. 
personal. Yes, yeah, I'm saying we're not giving askama. Good, but but that's the thing. But I understand that. I understand. That's why I'm saying this. I understand why the discussion about it. But we're not giving a haskama on because we're not haskama on either side. It's not exemplary behavior. <laughs> either side. So we're not giving askama on the mensch. We're now talking about what's considered an association of a thought process, a pattern, a philosophy on various things that are very important for the globe, for humanity. And that in one area that's going or has gone in a very bad direction. That's that's the problem over here. So this is all the death Ramas nobody knows what in the world I'm talking about. So we're gonna go back to the treaty over here. So why yeah, except Putin, yeah, just don't uh, it sounds like please don't forward this to any relatives. Uh, <laughs> and you know, speaking of spies, I don't know, he looks like a nice guy, but uh, <laughs> uh, so Lamaisa, we do have a halachic issue. With the, um, that's right, that's right. I wonder, wonder why there are antennas sticking out of a standard. <laughs> so, uh, Lamaisa, uh, we have a lot of remes in this year, you know, the Kabbalah and everything else, Lahavdil. So, uh, the treaty's a problem. I, I don't really hear a terrorist that she's not bound, but there, there are Mepharshim that say this. The only other shot is that the guy's a menace to society. That's an understatement. He's a Rotseach. And you're not allowed to violate treaties unless somebody's going to get killed if you don't. That's the push-up shot over here. And therefore, she has to do this. So we'd rather do it in an overt way. And unfortunately, she was pressed to do it in a covered way. That, that's, the, that's the real answer. Yes? Is a treaty a din and you say you can't kill, we won't kill you, you won't kill us. That's a din in the, the plishtim as a people. But if you have this one guy who's like... A well, yeah, it's not the plishtim, it's Yavin, yeah. But he was representing... Crazy guy who he's yes he happens to be a plishti uh, Yavim yeah. Not even whatever he happens to be a citizen in that group. Right. Even though he's doing his own thing, whatever it is, is he is he protected he's under the government? Ah, uh, he is. He's a government employee. More than that, he's a general. Generals in those days were rishayim, were ruthless, were scary people. Uh, all the attributes of we'd want to dress up a Russia and make a picture of him. He'd be Sisera. So. Ilmaisa, he's the one, we made a treaty, we have an army, and, um, and basically Yavin's interest in making this treaty was, we have this in Iran, they want to show, we're, we don't, we're not anti-Semites, we don't, not like Jews, we have Jews here, we have Baruch Hashem, they don't openly harass them if they uh, behave, and that's good, we want, to, we want to protect them, but that's all part of his line, that against uh, another country in the Middle East, we just have political issues, it's not a Jewish issue, which... Uh, for them is not necessarily the case. So he was very happy to make this treaty, I'm sure, because you have somebody right here. He's my neighbor. Why should I start up with him? I'll take care of everybody else. What's going to be? Chasa Shalom with Hever Hakani and his Kodeshus Chayel had he managed to win this battle and slowly take over the rest of the country. I don't think that treaty would last very long at the end of the day. But at the end of the day, they want to take it over. and These are the only two Jews here. They would get rid of them. So, Lamaisa, she has a head to do this because it's a consequence for her and for everybody else, ultimately. Just to touch the word, I want to go to the Peliers for a few minutes. Bitsana Nim Asheres Kedish is describing the uh, area. It was an area with many different, uh, we call them puddles, but different areas of, uh, of water. It was a large area of Yet Allah Adelam Bitsanim Asheres Kedish, which means that he was a known person already. He wouldn't make a treaty with a guy who's sitting in a tent. 
he wasn't the guy sitting in a tent, picture like Lloyd. He had many, many tents. He had a whole, whole area. He was a person of note and of influence, and therefore, Melech Hatzar is more than happy to make a treaty now. My suspicion was that his treaty was as good as uh, the treaty with the Nazis, and when we finish everybody else, we're going to turn on you. And I think that's another reason for doing this. Let's go to the Peleites. Yeah, they say that beferish. We sign all treaties to break them, and we're going to get them one by one. They say that now, as we're talking to them. So, Terry Hatta, all three of them. Uh, yeah, we don't discuss them because they don't even have a minion. Okay, so we're not going to. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I saw the. Hitler, Machshemoy, I don't. We have no excuse for anything he did, and this is another example. He had no reason to violate that treaty. He wasn't being attacked. He was hungry for power. He wanted to take over the world. Why do you have to violate a treaty? He wasn't in the. the, the Russians made a treaty with him. They figured Russia is a very big place. You got Germany. They they gave him the okay to take over all the other countries in Europe. So just leave us alone. And says when it comes to Rishayim and a hunger for power and world dominance, it's never enough. Which is, yeah, yeah. They, we always look back in history. If all these ruthless, power-hungry people would just stop when they had like a million square miles, they would have been in great shape. But the reason they conquered the first million square miles is because they can't stop. And that's what always does them in. That, that's part of the sickness. Okay, the polar opposite of the Rashaim we just mentioned. We talk about uh, every year, not just uh, the Lamed Vavniks have to work on their Dvekas. We're going to start a new entry today on page Kuf, trying to pick the uh, ones that have the most to do with our tshuva. And the central theme of mitzvahs in Yiddishkeit is to come to Dvekas, and as I mentioned in the shir just before, it doesn't mean you have to have access or be fully aware or cognizant or fully understand the Kabbalah. You have to know that when you do mitzvahs, you have to make this. You'll ask, well, Shoshanaga Chasapara. I'm learning Baba Kama. How does that give me Tveikas? The answer is you're learning Torah, Tama Torah, Kenegat Kulam. Every word of Torah will give you that Tveikas. And we don't have to know anymore. Every mitzvah is like that. And that's how he starts off. Tveikas. Tveikas B'Shem Yisbarach. Middle of the page on Daf Kuf. And it's the underlying theme. To do more and more of any area of Vedas Hashem that we can improve on. According to its chashivas, that's how difficult something is. So Yitzhahara's plan, which he's always working on, is to cool us off, so to speak. So when we do mitzvahs, I can't stop us from doing mitzvahs. We get up in the morning and do mitzvahs. So he wants to cool us down, so we should do it with less eslavas. We should do it with less simcha. We should do it not l'shma. We should do it for covid. That's all cooling it down so we don't attain the dveikas we could. And that's why simcha and l'shma... We always try to raise the bar, but it's something we have to be working on. All three components, Machshava, Lishma, and it has to do with Lashem Hashem, and to understand you're doing Ratzana Bere, and the Dibur to make the Hachanas, even if you're not saying Lashem Yichud, we have all Bazooka Zimra just to get us ready for Shman Esri. 
That means you can't just jump in to talk to Gosh Baruch Hu. Dveikas means you have to understand you're climbing a mountain, you're going to a Heilig and you have to prepare, you have to set the mind for it. And of course, uh, the mice will follow through with Rizus and with Simcha. Yem Yem Heilig Agadol Makadish Matzim Mata Makachnas Mamala. And the more Hislavis you have, the more Siyat Hashemaya you'll have for this Kedusha in the Avedis Hashem. These are very, very august and uh, difficult concepts, but everybody And if you try to keep this in mind as you're doing the mitzvahs, it'll be Mekadashit. Uh, what is the actual Dveikus? So, what he's going to go on to discuss, which we'll see in Mitzvah Shemat Shabbos, is boy is to be Medabe to the Shechina. And the Gemara says, you can't be Medabe to the Shechina. You can't see the Shechina. You can't go near the Shechina. The answer is, to be Medabe means to follow and emulate Hashem's Midus. Mahu Rachem Mahu Chan To go out of your way with even people you don't like. To show them extra rachamim, where it's difficult to show them extra rachamim v'chesed, Hashem Kaviachal does that all the time. We do averus rachamaslan against Hashem. So a sine, a person who's a rush, a person doing averus, and Hashem is still mative. Hashem waits till he comes back, and that's why we invoke in this next tkufa, uh, the Yud Gimel Midas, Hashem Hashem Kavachal Vachanun. It's going to talk about the yanim over there. Is that we're invoking that that Hashem should have rachamim despite the fact we did things wrong. And that we should learn from that, that when people ba'avol us and we try to return it with a favor and try to make shalom, we're being medabek with those midas of the shechina. Okay.